Dean Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut Monday, March 7th edition of the program. Should a no-fly zone be instituted? That is the big question. I say a resounding no, but there are people who believe that that is the answer going forward to deal with Russian aggression in Ukraine. I'll break down for you why I think that's deeply problematic. Plus, we are not done with COVID until they admit They were wrong and apologize until that moment, until we no longer wear masks on planes, masks anywhere, until they are feeling ridiculed for their support of stupid mask and mandate uh, for vaccine policies. All of it. We are not done. I want everyone to be clear on that. I'll explain why coming up here in a moment. Deep dive into the Ukraine situation. That is up next. Fortune favors the bold, the strong, the brave. For your business to break out of anything holding you back, you need business checking as brave as you are. Introducing Novo Business Checking. Novo is powerfully simple business checking, and unlike the traditional banking model, Novo has no minimum balances, no transaction limits, and no hidden fees. Instead of a one-size-fits-all approach, Novo is customized to your business to save you time and free up cash flow with seamless integrations to Stripe, Shopify, QuickBooks Online, and more. Sign up for Nova for free and join the community of over 150,000 fearless small businesses who found the customizable business checking solution that admires their brave. Sign up for your free business checking account right now at novo.co slash buck. Got to hear that website again, N-O-V-O, novo.co slash buck. To get access to over $5,000 in perks and discounts. Again, that's novo.co slash buck. To sign up for free, Novo Platforming is a fintech, not a bank. Banking services provided by Middlesex Federal Savings, FA member FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. All right, what's going on with the Ukraine situation? Well, here's one version of it. Senator Marco Rubio on the no-fly zone. What? A no-fly zone has become a catchphrase. I'm not sure a lot of people fully understand what that means. That means flying AWACS 24 hours a day. That means the willingness to shoot down and engage Russian airplanes in the sky. That means, frankly, you can't put those planes up there unless you're willing to knock out the anti-aircraft uh, systems that the Russians have deployed, and not just in Ukraine, but in Russia and also in Belarus. So basically, a no-fly zone, if people understood what it means, it means World War III. It means starting World War III. So here's how the argument is going right now. I'm seeing people. I knew this would happen. This is the nature of warfare. The Russians are tightening the vice around the Ukrainian people. Civilian casualties are mounting. Cities are being turned to rubble. This is awful. Warfare is a horror show. And as people see this more, there's an emotional impulse that we must do more. We must do something. And I've been warning from the beginning, this will happen. This was inevitable. And we have to take a step back and think through exactly what's going on and what the response should be. Marco Rubio just said it could lead to World War III. Now, that's a scary thought, isn't it? I'm seeing people, and even if you want to believe that that's overstated, I'm seeing people say, let's just put, let's just declare a no-fly zone. What are the Russians really going to do? We want to do this brinksmanship thing with Putin. That's what I'm seeing increasingly said, including by conservatives. And let me say this. Ukraine is a whole lot more important to Putin and the Russian Federation military than it is to the United States. 
he will go much further over Ukraine than we will. And so you have to think about this in that context. If we say Russian planes fly, they die. We shoot them out of the sky. You know what's going to happen? They're going to fly those Russian planes and fly strikes. They're going to say, okay, let's see you do it. Shoot down some of our planes. And then at that point, we're going to what? Shoot down Russian planes? Okay, you say, fine. What are they going to do? Well, we shoot down a few Russian MiGs, a few Russian Sukhoi fighters, whatever the case may be. We shoot them down. You know what happens next? Well, the Russians decide to do two things. One, dramatically uh, expand the military forces they have deployed in and around Ukraine. And two, they're going to shoot down American planes. There, there's no way that, the, that Vladimir Putin is going to get planes shot down and say, well, we're not going to shoot back an American plane. So, the, OK, so now now we're in a hot war with Russia, at least in the skies over Ukraine. And I understand we think, well, we're we're so much uh, bigger, better, and we're going to just kick their butts. This is the sentiment. I'm just telling you the sentiment that I'm seeing expressed online for people. This okay. Who has a longer distance to go, us or the Ukrainians? You say, well, Buck, we'll use NATO bases. We'll have NATO allies. Okay, well, now you're going to bring what? You're going to bring Poland and other states into this directly. You're going to be flying airstrikes from their soil. You think that? Putin is against firing missiles at those air bases. He certainly has the capability to do it. Why wouldn't he do it? The planes that are flying from those. Now, now you see, okay, so we so we sit there, we're saying we're just flying a no-fly zone. Putin all of a sudden attacks the air bases because otherwise, I mean, we're not, what are we going to do? We're going to be flying uh, a no-fly zone with, with um, bombers out of Colorado or something? No, this is not Afghanistan. We're going to have to be... A no-fly zone is essentially a misnomer. you got to fly a lot in a no-fly zone. You're going to have your own planes flying the skies. This is what we did over Iraq. This is You're going to have to patrol those skies. All those Russians will keep flying strikes. We're not going to be able to track and, uh, track and shut them down fast enough. So we're talking about dogfights with fourth-generation fighters, Russian fighters in the skies uh, over Ukraine. We're talking about going up against the Russian... S-300, S-400, and, I th- and, and S-500, various iterations of the Russian surface-to-air missile defense system, the SAMs that they have, which can shoot. And the S-5, in the case of the S-500, I believe, uh, can shoot hundreds of miles, between two and 300 miles. They can target planes, drones. So they're going to deploy those. This is not going to be easy, folks. We think of no-fly zone as our pilots are, you know, playing... Uh, playing video games on their phone while they're flying over Iraq. That's not how it's going to be. It's going to be an active aerial combat zone. And this is the best case. This is assuming Putin doesn't dramatically escalate beyond that. Notice I'm not even going to nuclear war. I'm not even going. I'm saying this. So now we get dragged deeper into this. And remember, Putin at that point, if he loses too badly in Ukraine, he probably loses his premiership. He loses his dictatorship. So what, what is he not willing to do in order to maintain his grip? You have to remember that as well. You know, on the one hand, a week ago, people were saying Putin is crazy. Now they're saying, oh, Putin would never do anything rash in response to us. Well, which is it? Now, I've never thought that Putin was crazy. I think he's a cold, calculating menace. But they were saying the same people that were telling us all, oh, because they're driven by emotion and hysteria. That's the point. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? We're going to do something that hold on a second. 
What does that really mean? So on the one hand, just looking at the military realities of this, a no-fly zone is not a simple thing, a simple thing to do. And you're engaging in military brinksmanship with a country that has over a thousand nukes. Now, you could say they'd never use them. Okay. We use them twice. I mean, it's not impossible, folks. I, I know we, we start to get into thinking of, oh, never. Yeah. Maybe the thinking for Putin is low-yield low tactical nuke on, you know, on, a, on, a NATO, on a NATO base. And then, okay, the conflict, you, you guys stop, you back off, or else we fire the ICBMs. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that would happen. I'm also here to tell you nobody knows. The people that are, have been speaking to you with certainty on this, whether it's the Ukrainians are kicking the Russians' asses or, oh, my God, Ukraine is going to fall in days, and they go back and forth, they simply don't know. Everything that we are seeing and being told out of that country is coming through one filter or another, and people have enormous incentives to create a certain perception of this one way or the other. So I'm, I'm urging for caution. We have learned a lesson over 20 years here of U.S. military intervention abroad we've learned painful lessons i want us to apply them in the current moment i want us to remember what we thought we knew that we didn't know and what we forgot that we should have known now we had to learn it again i don't want us to learn it yet again i want us to actually remember what happened in the past and that's why i have concerns here people are talking about a no-fly zone it's not that simple and also how many how many Russian uh, how many Russian planes do you think they'll let get shot out of the sky before they decide? All right, well now we're just now we're just going to pummel Kiev. Putin could actually flatten these cities in in a matter of days, perhaps hours. If he, I'm not even talking about nukes. If he chose to do so, he could turn Kiev into rubble. There's nothing right now that we'd be able to do about it. And you say, oh well, no fly zone. I'm talking about firing missile and artillery barrages. If he decided to go indiscriminate, he could level one of these cities entirely. It would look like Dresden in the Second World War or Tokyo during the firebombing. He could do that. You don't think, oh, he won't do that when we're shutting Russian planes out of this. Why is that? Because he's such a humanitarian. Think it through and it becomes a whole lot more complicated. I understand right now we are in a, a a particularly anxious and emotional people in America. Not you and me, but a lot of people here. They've been through two years of the pandemic and the masking. and Everyone's a little bit on edge. And that's going away. And I think there's a need now. They have a kind of post-pandemic syndrome for, oh, we, we, have, to, we have to move as part of the herd or else catastrophe will happen. Just we take a step back, we think about this, and we try to apply reason, judgment, and knowledge to it instead of just whatever feels like the thing we should do in the moment. And also, I, I've got to tell you, there was a, a UFC fighter. This guy went viral over the weekend for explaining a very basic sentiment that I, I think has been lost from the American foreign policy set for a long time. You'll hear it in just a moment. It's worth, worth sticking around just for that. You've heard me say that what's happening in our cities to police is a disgrace, and it is. They're caught between hostile activists, those that fund them, rogue prosecutors, the liberal media that hates them, and misguided political leaders who pander. Progressive policies have resulted in wrongful charges for cops who face an unimaginable pressure and financial burdens. The Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund at policedefense.org 
educates the public on the risks and threats associated with being an officer today. And they raise funds to support police financially burdened as a result of being wrongfully charged. They can't help without generous support from people like you. Go to policedefense.org. See what they're doing to support our heroic officers and their families. In an era of defund the police, learn about defending the police. Use the simulator. See the types of tough decisions police must make every day on the street. It's time to stand up for our men and women in blue. Help today at policedefense.org. That's policedefense.org. So here is UFC fighter Bryce Mitchell here on why he doesn't want to go fight in Ukraine. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole Russia and Ukraine situation. Here's my first thought is I'm not going nowhere to fight none of these wars for these politicians. I'm staying at home, and when the war comes to Arkansas, I will dig my boots in the ground, and I will die for everything I love, and I will not retreat. If this country is invaded and everybody's saying, well, we got to evacuate, we got to leave, I will not. I will dig my boots in the Arkansas soil, and I will fight for the people that I love, for the land that I love, and the way of life that I love. But I'm not going overseas to fight. I don't know what's going on. To be honest, brother, I really don't. There's so much stuff, and I don't think nobody knows what's going on fully. I think he was speaking for millions and millions of Americans there because it really resonated, resonated with me. I've said before, I've, I said to Clay on, on the Clay and Buck show, you know, if, if China invades uh, America, if, if, if the Chinese are, are landing amphibious craft in Long Island, you know, uh, whatever skills I used to have are rusty. I'd still be out there with an M4 and doing my best to defend the country that I love and the people that I love. No question about it. But Ukraine? No. No. It's it's not my fight. It's not my country. It's not my people. For those who want to go there and fight, the doors have been kicked wide open. Let's also understand that there are, pl- there are plenty of ways people can go there and fight. If you believe so strongly in that cause, you can go there and fight against the Russians, I would obviously not advise anybody to do that i can just tell you knowing a bit about the russian military and the soviet military practices of the last 30 or 40 years you really don't want to be an american uh foreign fighter caught by the russians in ukraine i'm just telling you that would be and i mean obviously you could die just by being hit with artillery or being shot but if they were to capture you i think that would be even worse so I, I, I'm just saying this is a moment where we all ask ourselves, what are we willing to fight and die for? And if I'm not willing to send someone else in my stead, well, I'm sorry, if I'm not willing to fight, why should I send someone else in my stead? I'm 40 years old. I could still go out there and get it done, but I wouldn't want to do that. So why would I want someone else to go and, and fight when I'm not willing to go and fight? I was willing to go up and do my part in Iraq and Afghanistan, civilian analyst, but armed would have been a combatant they had captured me would not have been good so i wouldn't do that here and by the way i think one of the lessons we learned in iraq is well let's not invade countries unless we are damn sure that we have a very good reason for it afghanistan is different i think that was mishandled but uh, the initial invasion of afghanistan or the strike back at afghanistan was absolutely necessary you can't allow people to have terror training camps that are plotting strikes against you and, and not have consequences for it and so that was quite clear ron paul voted for that war, just to give you a sense. I mean, so there are wars. There are just wars. There are wars you need to fight. And I think that Bryce Mitchell of the UFC was speaking to exactly that. Ukrainian people, they're, they're right to fight back against Russian aggression. And 
I'm hoping that they are able to defeat the Russians and that this ends quickly and that there's an absolute bare minimum loss of life. But once you start talking about no-fly zones, once you have a discussion about the U.S. shooting Russian planes out of the sky, now, now this is my problem. This is our problem right away. We have to hold the line here. People are going to get very emotional. There's going to be a huge refugee flow out of you. It already is, but a bigger refugee flow out of Ukraine. You're going to see terrible things because that's the nature of warfare. But this talk about assassinating Putin or a no-fly zone or whatever, this is not an action movie. This stuff has very real consequences, and ultimately you have to decide, are you in favor of what is best for the American people and American interests? If I were the commander-in-chief and I had sent fighter planes to go patrol the skies of Ukraine. And then I had to sit down and look in the eyes of the family of, of the fallen when a Russian S-400 shoots one of our planes out of the sky. It's guaranteed to happen, by the way, if, if we have no fly zone. Would I look in the eyes and say this was absolutely necessary? Your, your son or your daughter had to die in a fireball over, over you know, 1,500 feet over the, uh, over the ground in Kiev? or Mariupol, or wherever, no. I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to do that. And, and so that's how that's how I see it. And I know that there's some of you who are going to disagree with me. I've already heard from some who say, Buck, this is terrible. It's, it's a genocide. I, I don't think that that's an accurate term. It's an aggressive, it's a war of expansion and conquest. If it was a genocide, Putin would just try to kill every person with the military that he could, and um, we would see that. I mean, that... That also, I think, could be an escalation from a direct confrontation with Putin, at least a dramatic escalation in the killing of civilians. So we have to think about this with with seriousness. And that's what brings me to the issue of the gas and oil sanctions and the economy here, because I think that really shows there's a lot of tough talk around this stuff. But what is the Biden administration? What are the war hawks really willing to do? You know, we're talking about no fly zone. I'm willing to pay. For gas at 140, 150, 180, maybe $200 a barrel? We'll get into that in a second. You run a small business, but who's running your HR? If the answer is, I'll figure it out myself or honestly no one, remember that one employee complaint can turn your world upside down, can really devastate your business. Oh my gosh, the legal bills alone. But HR is not just about avoiding risk. As a business leader, you should do right by the people you employ. That's why you need Bambi. Bambi is an HR platform built for businesses like yours so you can automate the most important hr practices and get your own dedicated hr manager bambi's hr autopilot automates your core policies your workplace training and employee feedback look bambi is so straightforward so easy and efficient and so much a tool that you need in your arsenal day in and day out of running a great business bambi has received thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot. people who use it love it Go to Bambi.com slash buck right now for your free HR audit. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. That's Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. Bambi.com slash buck. Okay, so here's ABC's Jonathan Carl asking the uh, White House about the sanctions regime right now. Back to the key issue here, which is the question of the of, of banning the import of oil and gas from, from Russia. You know, it is not insignificant 
Uh, we actually take in more petroleum from Russia than we do from Saudi Arabia. Uh, so, so the ban will result in, and, and it also obviously affects the world supply as well. So you'll see oil go from not $100 a barrel to $150, maybe $200 a barrel. But it's extraordinary, George, for all of the, uh, the sanctions that have been imposed, and they have been unprecedented uh, on, on Russia, to sanction everything but the thing that drives their economy. To sanction everything. But the thing, I guess he was actually talking to George Stephanopoulos there, ABC's Jonathan Carl. But everything but uh, what drives their economy, because that would be really expensive. And Democrats, look, if if Nancy Pelosi thought that sanctioning the Russian economy, even if it drove prices up and drove gas prices up across the board for everybody in America, if she thought that would mean Democrats lose fewer House seats and the Democrats would would stay in power. I mean, she'd be calling for us to, to napalm Putin's house. I mean, she would be the biggest war hawk imaginable. This is just about power for Democrats here at home. That's how they're making their decisions. They're trying to drive the emotion of the mob and trying to maintain their control on power. That's it. They have no core principles involved here. So just remember that while they're talking tough about no fly zones and all the rest of it. OK, what exactly are we willing to do economically? If we if we sanction banks, that's how you'd have to actually do it. If we sanction banks that were doing business with the Russian energy sector all over the world, I mean, Putin's economy would basically come to a screeching halt, something close to it. It would be a disaster for them. But would that also push him into a corner that might result in something we couldn't anticipate or expect? These are the questions we have. I'll continue to work through all of this with you. I know I didn't get into COVID stuff today. I will tomorrow, but basically... My friend Carol Markowitz was a piece in the New York Post about how we have to demand apologies from the people who push this stuff. We have they, they actually need to be publicly humiliated. Their ideas need to be publicly humiliated. Lockdowns, masking, all of it, or else it's coming back and they get away with it. And I refuse to allow that. We'll get into this more tomorrow, team. Thanks for rolling with me on the Buck Saxton Show. Shields high.